1 Samuel, the children of Israel demand a king so they can be like the nations all around them. God tries to talk them out of it, but then gives them their own way. They had Saul, then David, then Solomon. Each ruled for about 40 years. Now, 120 years into their monarchy experience, the nation divides in two, north and south. The north will last for about 200 years, the south about 100 years longer, before being dragged into captivity by Babylon. During these centuries covered in the books of 1st and 2nd Kings and elaborated on by 1st and 2nd Chronicles, we find what looks like a King of the Hill contest on an elementary or middle school playground. I remember those well. Large piles of snow plowed up and stacked. They were doomed for this recess activity. Buckle your seatbelts. I'm about to give you 19 Kings of the North who clawed their way to the top of the hill. I don't expect my students to remember hardly any of them. They were quite forgettable other than their increasing levels of disobedience to God and wickedness on each other. But there are three names that stick out. The first, Jeroboam. The second, Ahab. And the third, Jehu. There's the recess bell. Let's go out on the playground and take a look. Jeroboam. He's remembered for the guy who started it all. The golden calves. The new festivals ordaining anyone he felt like for priests, building an altar, and making sacrifices on it himself. Throughout the 19 kings of Israel, the northern kingdom, the phrase, he walked in the sins of his father Jeroboam is repeated over and over. Jeroboam is the culprit. The fight against God on the playground, he started it. We pick up his story, Jeroboam's son gets sick. So he sends his wife, disguised, to the prophet who handed him the ten pieces of his cloak and said, Ten tribes will be yours. Jeroboam wants to know what will happen with his son. The prophet immediately sees through the disguise. Welcome, wife of Jeroboam. I've got a message for you. Your son is doomed. Matter of fact, all of your family is doomed, every one. Those who die in the city will be eaten by wild dogs. Those who die out in the countryside will be picked clean by vultures. And by the way, Israel will lose the land that God had promised to Abraham. I mean, how could God do any differently? He'd taken it away from the ites because of their wretchedness. Now, he's going to leave it in the hands of Israel when they're equally or even more wretched, even though they have the revelation of God? The prophet said, here's a sign all this will come true. When you get home, the moment you come into the house, your child will die, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Yet with these stern warnings and the death of his son, Jeroboam is unmoved, unrepentant, and he dies in his sin. His son takes the hill. Nadab is just like his dad. He's up there on top for two years, then he's assassinated by Abisha. Baasha is the third king of the hill. After killing Nadab, he kills every single descendant of Jeroboam, as the prophet said. The dogs and vultures have a feast, as the prophet said. But then, Baasha does the exact same sins. What are you thinking? If you were God, what would you say to Baasha? If you said, you'll have the same fate as Jeroboam, you'd be right. Baasha's at the top of the hill for 24 years as king, and then he falls. The next king of the hill is Elah. He's up there two years. Then, one day getting drunk in the palace... He's assassinated by Zimri. Zimri takes the hill. He's king, get this, for a week. But even though king for a week, it says he followed in the steps of Jeroboam his father. 
Can you imagine? It didn't even take a week to show he's made of the same stuff. Next, Omri, general of the army, gathers his troops and attacks the capital city. Zimri goes into a tower and lights it on fire on himself. I guess that would be falling off the hill. Omri rules the hill for 12 years. During that time, he builds Samaria, and he follows after Jeroboam. Perhaps his most sinister legacy is a son he has, Ahab. He's the second king on the hill of the north we want you to remember. First king spends a lot of time on Ahab, and behind him, his lovely wife, Jezebel, daughter of the king of Sidon. When's the last time you've met someone who's named their daughter Jezebel, and for good reason? She likely was more wicked than Ahab. He might have been the head of the nation, but she clearly was the, the evil neck that turned that head. We'll find in our next episode, God raises up a playground attendant, a prophet, just for this dude. Ahab and Jezebel set up 450 Baal prophets in the nation and 400 prophets of Ashtoreth, Mrs. Baal. God tried to get their attention with a severe famine. He bullied them by the Arameans. They nipped away at Israel over and over. And even still, God is merciful. He gives victory to Israel to stave off Aram. But even here, Ahab won't obey God. He spares their king. It's just plain nuts. Then Ahab and Jezebel go to the well one too many times. We're told Ahab had his eye on a small piece of land for a garden. It belonged to someone else, and that someone else wouldn't sell it to him. When he starts to pout, Jezebel hears the story and says, Does a woman have to always handle these tough jobs? She breaks commandment number nine, false testimony, and has the property owner stoned. Soon after, Ahab is shot in battle. Read the story. He's disguised as a common soldier, and an enemy soldier randomly lets an arrow fly, and it fifth ribs him in the crowd. Jezebel's fate will be settled soon. The next king on the hill is Ahaziah. He's up there for two years. In his college yearbook, he would have written, The top three people who have influenced me? Jeroboam and my mom and dad, Ahab and Jezebel. Nice. Ahaziah falls through a lattice or roof. He wants to know if he's going to be okay, so he sends his emissaries to the god of Ekron to see if he'll recover. They're intercepted by a prophet. Go back to your master. I can answer that one. You're done. The next king on the hill is Jehoram, or Joram. He's another of Ahab's sons. It's said he was not as bad as his dad, but he's still really bad. At least he tears down one of the Baal pillars that his dad set up. But he continues in the sins of Jeroboam. Meanwhile, Moab is stirred up. I mean, they're mad as hornets, and Israel's in trouble. But again, God mercifully fights on behalf of sinful Israel. Then Aram returns to Israel's capital, Samaria. They put them under siege, and there's a terrible famine. Again, God fights for Israel in a miraculous way, and the enemies flee without a shot being fired. Then we get to our third king you should remember, Jehu. Jehu reigned for 28 years. If the nation of Israel had cancer, Jehu was the chemo. Anointed by Elisha as Israel's king, he gets to work. He kills King Joram and the southern king who's affiliated with him, Ahaziah. Then he goes after Jezebel. He has the pure evil woman thrown out of a tower. Then he personally tramples her with his horse. Next, he kills Ahab's 70 sons, every one of them. 
He then kills all of Ahab's friends and allies, all of them. Next, he invites all Baal worshippers in the entire nation of Israel to a whopper worship service for Baal. He makes them think he is going to be the head worshipper of Baal. He dresses them all in special clothing. Then he tells anyone who believes in the God of Israel to get out. After a pause for their exit, he then commands his soldiers to kill every single Baal worshiper and priest to execute them all. When that's finished, he turns the Baal temple into an outhouse. Wow, pretty incredible, king on the northern hill now. Could this be a revival, worship of the true God? One would wish. The answer is no. He didn't obey the law of God with his whole heart, and he didn't turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, those calves and festivals and false priests. You could say he deeply addressed the symptoms, but he didn't get rid of the disease. The next king, Jehoahaz, reigned for 17 years on the hill. He was like Jeroboam. Aram comes and batters Israel again and again, and they cry for help. Now it feels like the time of the judges. They cry for help. God raises up a deliverer. Then God gives them peace and safety until they sin again. By the end of Jehoahaz's reign, there were only 50 in their cavalry, 10 chariots, and 10,000 soldiers on foot. The next king of the hill is Jehoash. He was up there 16 years. He was the Jeroboam song, just a different verse. We're told, yet God pitied Israel because of the covenant he had made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The next king was Jeroboam too. Maybe you'll want to remember him as well. Jeroboam II, he reigned up there for 41 years. He still walked in the sins of Jeroboam I, but he was a warrior. He put the fear of God in the Israelites. Not of the true God, mind you. Think of that big sixth grade farm boy at the top of the snowbank that nobody really wants to mess with. Next up, Zechariah. He lasted six months until he was assassinated right in public by Shalom. Shalom takes the hill. He's up there one month until he's executed by Menahem. Menahem's renowned for picking up a terrible Assyrian practice, ripping open pregnant women. Can you imagine a king representing the God of Israel ripping open pregnant women? The same God who said, children are a gift to the Lord. The same God who said, I'm getting rid of the ites because they're sacrificing their children in the fire. Next up on the hill, Pekahiah. He was up there two years before being assassinated by Pekka. Pekka takes the hill. He's up there 20 years. During his time, Assyria captures the east side of the Jordan. That's right, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. He deports these folks to Assyria as captives. Those tribes are gone, and yet the rest of Israel continues to sin the sins of Jeroboam. Those calves, festivals, and disobedience to God. Pekah is assassinated by Hosea. Hosea is the last king of the northern hill. We're told he was a bad apple. Assyria forces him to pay heavy tribute. Hosea goes to Egypt for help. That's the last straw for Assyria. He's imprisoned. The capital city of Samaria is put under a three-year siege. This time, God sits back and watches. There's no help. The remaining tribes, the people of the north, Israel, are taken into exile. They've lost the land God had promised. 
perhaps knowing he would be slandered for reneging on his promise. God gives the reason for the destruction of the northern kingdom in 2 Kings 17, 7-23. Here's the gist of it. They worshipped other gods. That's breaking family rule one. They set up images in all kinds of places. That's rule two. They defied all the commands of the Lord. That's one through ten. And it all started with those calves. The final straw, God said, is they sacrificed their children and sought guidance through sorcery. And this summary statement, they sold themselves to evil. Remember, this went on for 200 years. Many times, God in his mercy stepped in to help them in their self-induced suffering. Having taken the survivors of the northern kingdom, Israel, to Assyria, Assyria shipped in foreigners, captives of other nations. The few Israelites left there will interbreed with those foreigners. Their descendants will actually show up in the New Testament seven centuries later. They're named after the northern kingdom's capital, Samaria. They're called Samaritans. Samaritans. I guess you could say the bell just rang on the northern kingdom. Recess is over. For 200 years, God had tried to reach these kings clawing their way up the hill with consequences and repeated warnings. God had sent directly to the northern kingdom Israel four powerful prophets, playground attendants, each pleading with them to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God and listen to the words of his command. We're going to look at these four playground attendants to the north, Elijah and Elisha, Amos and Hosea, in our next two word pictures.